0: And here we go, live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime. William Patterson, Dawson Wise, Max Pennell joining you, hour number two on a Wednesday, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in. Great first hour we just had, now uh, diving into a packed second hour as well. We'll do a little tournament watch, um, breaking down a couple of teams that we think uh, deserve a little bit more credit after the top 16 teams uh, were ranked by the NCAA committee. We'll we'll look at a couple of SEC teams as well. We'll dive all into the tournament talk later on in the hour. We'll also take a look at the Wild Western Conference in the NBA. Um, so stay right here on Overtime. But first, we head to the phones. One of our favorite callers on the line. It's Joshy Boy. What's up, Joshy?
1: What up, guys? How are you? I'm good. UConn uh, UConn minus three was fun last night. I hear you
2: on that one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, what do you guys think about uh, this Alabama versus Florida game that's about to start? Well, we have differing opinions
0: here. Uh, Max and Dawson went with Florida. I'm on Alabama. Um, I just think what Alabama can do at home, especially with how good their offense is, is too strong. Um, yeah. And Florida, though they've been competitive in a lot of games this year, uh, two and seven in quad one games, um, so they haven't fared particularly well in these spots. Now the number's pretty big, but I think Vegas is telling you with the way the line has moved uh, to continue you know, looking at, at Bama. Um, so I, I sided with Bama. These guys sided with Florida.
1: Good call. So, uh, how about the baseballs after winning 3-2 yesterday against UNC Asheville? They just uh, beat ETSU 16 nothing in a shutout fashion.
0: Yeah, uh, great pitching from the guys yesterday. We, we talked about it in the first hour, getting a lot of younger guys involved, and, and Derek Schaefer, uh, Andrew Benke, and Austin Hundley. <laughs> Um, all three of those guys uh, performed pretty well, and then um, today you get the offense going on the bats. A huge um, bottom of the third where you put up 11 runs in one inning, especially with uh, you know two outs being uh, being on the board as well. Um, really impressive performance. You know this is a, a team that um, didn't start off last year too well, um, but started off this year on the right note in in, in um, Texas, and now. Um, starts off the year on the right note at home. So, good momentum. Yeah. I'd like to see a couple of these guys get involved. Matthew Dallas, a good night. Another freshman p- uh, pitcher. Um, good stuff. Kavaris Tears. How about him?
1: Yeah, how about him?
0: Yeah, he's, so, been, uh, he's been impressive.
1: Yeah, he has been impressive. Uh, did Burke start today, like Yes. He did, yeah. How did
2: he? Uh, how did he do? One for three at uh, the last I checked, and I don't know if he got up again after I looked. It was bottom of the sixth, so I don't think so. I think the game ended in seven gotcha. today. So uh, he went one for three. Uh, I think he might have had an RBI as well, if I remember right. Good. So uh,
1: how about the basketballs last night? It was a rough first half, but second half they. Uh, Kind of pulled away against Missouri and went back and forth. But how about uh, Tobey Awaka with uh, 18 points, 10 rebounds, and uh, connect with his first double-double as all.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, it won the prettiest of games, but I think our takeaway was it was how you responded to adversity and what you did after that. And that's a a 32-12 to 12 run to close that game out and, and um, at one point go up by double digits with about a – uh, four minutes remaining in that game, you relied on Tobe Owaka, Don Connect, and Jonas Adu. All three of those guys stepped up and and made plays down the stretch. And you settled in defensively, were able to get stops. Um, it won the prettiest of games. Didn't shoot well, but it's the fact that you were able to respond, and I think that says a lot.
1: Right. So uh, we'll kind of look ahead towards Saturday for uh, Texas and big game. Checker Thompson and. Uh, I know we probably won't have a look-ahead line until Friday. Kind of give me an idea. What do you think the line will be in that game? Maybe Tennessee minus 13, Tennessee minus 14 or something in that range?
0: Yeah, we were thinking 10 uh, ten and a half, eleven and a half would be a fair opening line for it. Now, um, if it creeps up into the 13-14, I wouldn't be surprised either. But considering uh, this A&M team beat Tennessee a couple weeks ago, um, yeah you know i I I couldn't expect it to be um more than fifteen. I think you're looking anywhere between ten and fifteen.
1: And uh do you think Tennessee uh does uh the double Dalton Connect thing again where in the off season they go out get the Saint Thomas kid from uh northern Colorado in the off season?
0: Yeah, you know um this, the Saint Thomas guy is a, a guy that Jordan Moore um yeah. like told me about, and, and uh, upon some information on him, he looks like he can be um, a very similar prospect and a very similar addition to Connect. Um, I think you're going to have to hit the portal and get another guy like Connect, and I think you've got a great pitch for it too. Hey, we brought in one of the yeah. top talents in, in the country, brought him in, and look what he's done. He's averaging 25 points in SEC play um, and, and is a, a lottery pick now on most big boards. That's how you make he's an in- impact, and that's how you make a pitch.
1: He's been having a really good season this year for Northern Colorado.
0: Yes, he has. Uh, And St. Thomas, yes, he has.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think about uh, this week for Tennessee, kind of like against Albany in baseball, kind of like get some of the other guys more playing time because Tennessee will probably win in easy fashion in most of these Three-game seconds, Albany. Have a good
2: night. It's just going to be an extension of t- you know, last night and today, uh, but just a more of a chance to do it in a three-game series. You're going to get to see more players in a three-game series. Um, you'll get to obviously give your, your guys another run. I imagine uh, that we'll see Xander Seacrest again on Sunday, I mm-hmm. would think, in a series like this. Uh, give him another chance to go a long, a, a long distance on a Sunday. Uh, but other than that, I mean, get some of the young guys in, like you did today. Uh, And see what you've got. That's what these non conference games are for, at least until Illinois comes to town. Mm -hmm. uh, That's what these games are for. So I imagine it'll just be more of the same. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, I kind of view it kind of as like glorified fall ball. Pretty much. You're just trying to get live, see live pitching. um, You're just trying to get guys work out of the bullpen and on the mound, um, you know, keep them on track with their throwing programs and all that. And you, you shouldn't have to worry too much. And, I wouldn't hate, like, kind of like last night, if a game is competitive and it makes some guys you know, have to make plays in one of these games, say, okay, yeah, you're in a spot here where we need you to deliver at the plate or we need you to get a big out, um, just to kind of amplify the uh, the intensity around it. Let's do
2: it now so we know we can do it later, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joshie, thank you so much for your call. We always appreciate hearing from you. Uh, now let's dive into the tournament and what we're calling in this segment the Tournament Watch. Um, So on Saturday, the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee debuted its top 16 preview three weeks ahead of Selection Sunday. They've been doing this since 2017. Um, Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, the number one seeds. Two seeds were UNC, Tennessee, Marquette, Kansas. Three seeds, Bama, Baylor, Iowa State, Duke. Four seeds, Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin. According to the NCAA, 83% of teams included uh, since the bracket preview began in 2017 have remained among the top four seeds. Um, In each of the last two years, 15 of the early top 16 teams uh, were still there when the tournament tipped off. Um, Last year, all four of the early number one seeds and three of the number two seeds held on to their status. Nine of the top 10 or nine of the top 16 moved two spots or less from the early reveal to the final seed list. Um, so kind of digesting the uh, committee giving these um, rankings out, these seeding out, um, let's let's talk about two teams who were in the initial rankings by the committee who will not make the Sweet 16, a team that I th- could be overvalued right now, um, and then two who are not on the list that possibly will. I'll begin with my two, give you all some time to think real quick. Um, Let's start with Wisconsin. Um, this is a team that um, very well could have lost six of their last eight if they, uh, if Minnesota made a couple of free throws down the stretch of their game a couple of weeks ago. Um, heading into Tuesday's matchup with Maryland, um, very well. I mean, that was not a blowout either, a four-point win for Wisconsin. Could have been five losses in six games. Uh, They're one of the worst defensive teams in defending the three-point line, uh, which come tournament time is a a huge no-no. We were just talking earlier about how Tennessee has struggled. Um, The Badgers statistically defending the three, not good, and they don't force turnovers either. Uh, either. That's a team I worry about. Uh, San Diego State as well for me is my second team. I don't think we'll make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, They have too many offensive limitations. I know what they have defensively, um, but, you know, Obviously, they had a great run last year. I don't see them replicating that this year um, due to their offensive limitations. They're also not great down low defensively. Um, one of the worst teams in the uh, nation in, in perimeter – not perimeter defense. Um, defense inside the cylinder. They have a hard time defending the rim. Those would be my two teams that would not make it. Um, let's go ahead and do the two that won't, and then we'll go back around do the teams that will. Those are my two, Wisconsin-San Diego State. Max?
3: Yeah, I got Wisconsin as well. I think – I'd assume we all have Wisconsin. I mean, I, I do my own bracketology Monday and Friday, and, and they're not in. you know, I mimicked the committee's top 16, and mm-hmm. they were the only team that already was out after their loss Saturday to Iowa. You mentioned last night they struggled. They've been struggling for a while now. They did the same thing last year. Mm-hmm. They ended up not making the tournament because of it this year. They got enough good grace with some quality wins the start of the year that they're not in danger of that. Um, you mentioned huge defensive issues. Chucky e. Hepburn was another guy who they – we're counting on this year to kind of take a big step or be a, a key cog in this offense. He's averaging less than nine points a game. Um, and, and just the trend. You know, teams go through lulls. We mentioned, we've mentioned we mentioned before how UConn went through a lull last year. Yeah. But this is way too, too much of a trend for me than just a mm-hmm. little bit of a skid. Um, so Wisconsin. And then secondly for me is Baylor. Um, they're 85th really? defensively, according to Ken Palm, which leaves you vulnerable. We saw them last night lose to BYU. A team that likes to shoot the ball yeah. from beyond the arc. I just think they're very vulnerable because of their lack of defense, and their offense isn't quite as elite as Alabama's, where they can overcome it as easily. Um, We've seen them lose to you know non-top seeds already this year um, on neutral courts as well. So I think they're a team that they just have such a small margin for error because of the way they play defense. If they run into a team, you know, like Tennessee, we were saying, they're into a team in the second round, a sixth seed that shoot you know shoots thirty-five, forty percent from three that game. They're not going to win that. I mean, their defense is just too much of a liability to allow too many teams to hang around against them. Um, I know they have experience at, at the coaching position, but I just I, Baylor to me seems ripe for an upset.
2: Well, you mirrored my two, Williams. So okay. I'll, I'll comment real quickly. Wisconsin struggling lately. That does not bode well when you start struggling at this point in the year. It just it's hard to turn it back up in time to go to the tournament. So uh, and with how they've been defensively. Just don't really trust them to get there again. And then San Diego State was my other one. What got the Aztecs through the dance last year was their defense. They mm-hmm. were a good defensive team. Uh, that's why they were shutting down some of the more dynamic offenses they saw on the way there and why they made the run all the way to the national, tri- national title game. That has taken a serious step backwards this year. Uh, and if they don't replicate that – I just don't see them getting very far. A very talented team, but, again, such a liability on defense uh, that I don't see them. I'll add one more just real quickly. I, I was going to go with Baylor also. I'll swing a step higher. I'll say Alabama. I think their defense yep. is also a liability. Okay. Uh, and if they see a team in the second round that has any shred of good defense, uh, we've seen what happens when they come up against good defenses already. They looked all kinds of out of sorts in Knoxville when they played us mm-hmm. for the Clemson first time. beat them. That's yeah. the type of team they'd Clemson. see in the second round. But that's you know those type of teams that play gritty good defense, they worry me because they, they cannot play defense themselves to match a defensive team. So uh, Alabama would be my third one
0: uh, combined with San Diego State and Wisconsin. All right, so now my the, the two teams or, or two teams that could uh, make the, the Sweet 16 who were not on the list. Uh, I'll begin with St. Mary's, uh, a team that got a big win last night over San Francisco. Um, they've got a guard in Aiden Mahany. Um, that I think is an all-American all level um, guard for them. Um, averaging 14 a night, this team has um, a, a really nice combination of physicality um, and a little bit of a slow tempo that kind of throws you off. They make you play their play style. Um, and, and this is a, a, a team that might not be on a ton of people ra- people's radars right now, But this is a team that I think could win a couple games and definitely make it the Sweet 16. They should be on the radar. Yeah, um, they should be, exactly. Right. Um, Now my other team might be a little bit um, obvious here, but Creighton. I I think Creighton um, has a really good six-man rotation, but I also think that's their biggest weakness. They're not very deep, but what they've got in Ryan Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander, um, Ashworth, all those guys – Um, they are a team that could definitely make some noise and win a couple of games like they were able to last year. Um, It took San Diego State defensively knocking them off uh, their game to be able to um, be knocked out of the tournament. But uh, this is a a top-20 offense, top-25 defense. You saw what they can do against the best of the best last night. Um, Creighton and St. Mary's are my two teams that I think um, could possibly make a run, Max?
3: I got St. Mary's as well. Um, they're another year under Randy Bennett, another year they're going to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does an incredible job out there. Kind of shocked he's never left for a bigger job. But um, they're a veteran team as well, tournament experience. They, Like I said, they've been in it pretty much every year under Randy Bennett. Aiden Mahaney, great point guard, um, which I think guard play is huge come March. Um, if you can have a steady hand at point guard that doesn't turn the ball over, knows how to run the offense, is calm. Uh, that That's huge. And like you said, they're, they're 12th in adjusted adjusted defense. They play at one of the slowest paces in the tournament, which I think, you know, we talked about Baylor and Alabama, that's the type of team that even Tennessee to a degree, mm-hmm. that, you know, they make them play their style, and who knows how those teams react, where, oh, they're down five with five minutes ago, and there's only a handful of possessions left because the way St. Mary's plays. Um, I just like their experience, like their style of play on a short week. You know, tournament, that's so much of it, too, is that second-round game is on a one-day rest. You know, you don't have a ton of time to prepare, and that's the type of opponent that could give teams fits if they're more or fast-paced oriented. Um, so St. Mary's, then I like Michigan State. Um, I know it's really? kind of, uh, wow. you know, a a square th- thing, but uh, the, the saying goes it's January, February, Izzo, April because uh, that guy just... Yeah. Last year, 7-seed, Sweet 16. I mean, it seems his best years in the tournament are when they're a lower seed. This team is tracking towards a 7 or an 8-seed. They're top 20 in both offensive and defensive uh, metrics, according to Ken Palm, um, which is a great recipe for success. They have a ton of experience, too. Guys that were there last year that have been there for multiple years. Um, They seem to be playing better basketball this month than they were earlier in Big Ten play. I know they lost last night. so they're peaking at the right time, which Tom Izzo's teams always do. They have a great coach. They have veteran guards, veteran bids. I just think any one seed or two seed, that's the last team they want to see in the second round is Tom Izzo and the Spartans. For me, Creighton was my first
2: one, pretty obvious. I, I think yeah. I'm, I'm surprised they're not yet a top-four seed. I think they're easily one of the best 16 teams in college basketball. They especially are now. Uh, You talked about that veteran group, all averaging 17 or more a night. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a a really experienced group that's been there before, uh, just got a big statement win, so I like them as well. The second one for me is the Florida Gators, and I think they could do so tonight. They could make their statement tonight. Now, Lunardi's already said they will climb to a sixth seed if they win in Tuscaloosa tonight, so – a six-seed, a lot better route for them to the Sweet 16 than where they are currently as an 8-9, having to play a one-seed in the second round. Um, I, I love their offensive scheme. They have four guards that are all scoring in double figures. Uh, forward Samuel that averages 13-8 and a night. Mm-hmm. They are very dynamic offensively. Mm-hmm. They can score all over the floor uh, and, and are coming off a big win against Auburn, a double-digit win against Auburn on home floor. They beat Kentucky at Rupp back in January. Yeah. Uh, they have the firepower to make a run, and I think they're one of the more fun teams. The other one I'll mention quickly, and I'm about to talk to them again in the mid-majors, is the Dayton Flyers. Okay. I'm, again, surprised to see them not in the top 16. Uh, probably the best mid-major team, maybe outside of St. Mary's now. I think St. Mary's is getting close to that. Uh, Deron Holmes, 20 points a night. You don't find that many places in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a win over LSU this year, uh, and they've played really great basketball. Now, they don't play in a great conference, but, again, that doesn't really matter when they get to the tournament, as we've seen in the past.
0: So, you know, on the topic of mid majors, as you mentioned, Dayton, um, who is a team from a, a one bid conference? So, meaning like they have to win their conference in order to make it. Um, and and I think my example would be McNeese State. Uh, Will Wade, no, um, he, he's uh, no stranger to March. Um, you know, had success with VCU. They upset. Um, who was it? as a 10 seed or it Oregon state. They upset. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah. Upstate. Uh, yeah. Upset them had success at LSU as well. Um, this is a guy who has the uh, Cowboys at 12 and one in their conference right now. Um, McNeese state, I think could be one of those, you know, 12, 13 seeds that pulls off an upset. Uh, or I guess maybe not 12, but a 14, 13 seed pulls off an upset against a three or a four. Um, I, I think you got to trust in will Wade and, and And his, I guess, his history
3: in the tournament. Yeah, whenever whenever they lose that game in March, that'll be the last game he coaches them at East State. I'm pretty confident in that. He's gonna, he's gonna take whatever you know, Louisville, Ohio State. He's gonna take a job this year. Um, I think enough times passed since his uh, violations at LSU, and the game has changed. I got two that I was split on. Um, Drake, I really like. They play in a a very good mid-major conference. The Missouri Valley, Indiana State, and Drake are both kind of in the conversation. Uh, for at larges, I don't think that Drake has a good enough case. They have three quad one wins. Uh, they beat a Nevada team who is you know should be a tournament team. We saw how we've talked about how good the Mountain West is. Their top fifty in the net and Ken Palm, and they have a guy. You know, I mentioned how guard play is huge. I also think you know, and it's been a we in Tennessee sphere. It's been something we've wanted is a difference maker guy can create a shot, kind of pull you out of a, a drought offensively, whatever. Um, that. You know, can go get it. You mentioned Deron Holmes at Dayton. That's another guy like that. They have Tucker Devry, who was a top 100 recruit. Really, only went there because his dad is the head coach. He could be playing high major, mm-hmm. power five basketball. Um, and he averages 20 a game for them. He's a guy that's as good as anyone that they're playing against mm-hmm. uh, in the tournament. That is. So I really like Drake, and they've been there before. They were there last year. Gave a Miami team that went all the way to the final four. All they could handle in the first round, kind of some unfinished business. And then I like App State as well. Tough conference, another team. Um, I like these teams despite one-bid conferences. They've been tested all year. They had to play James Madison, who is a team that beat Michigan State um, and is a 20-plus win team already this year. They beat Auburn as well uh, at home, and they're top 40 defensively and kind of like I was saying about uh, St. Mary's. Good defensively, slow tempo, tempo, which can cause you know teams on a short rest or less preparation, a uh, bit of fits. Well, I had
2: St. Mary's written down. I forgot the West Coast Conference gets two bids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Dayton written down. I've already talked about them. Mm-hmm. I like the Flyers as well. I had App State written down, too. <laughs> uh, uh, the Mountaineers. I, I wrote several down in case either you guys took one or, or yeah. I just it slipped my mind who has multiple bids. The one I uh, that y'all did not get is out of the WAC Conference, and that is Grand Canyon. There we go. Yes. I
0: just pulled them up. 24-2
2: and two this year. Tie-in Grant Foster leads them for 19-9. This is a team that loves to score points. Yes. 80 a game. Uh, and, again, it's not a great Conference, but they do have a win over San Diego State. Yes, uh, they did. O- earlier in the year, uh, that's the team that ran to the title game. Their three main scores are all scoring a really great clip, uh, and t- it's a big matchup issue for one of those early seeds because they're the type of team to win their conference and come in really fired up. You, you know, like a, yeah. a Furman last year. Was it Furman mm-hmm. that won in the first round last yeah. year? uh Like a team like that. They could just come in, they hit a few shots, and all of a sudden they're off and
3: rolling. The, the lopes, and I think lopes. least amount of losses in Division one basketball right now after UConn's yeah. loss yeah. last night. The mm-hmm. only two-loss team. Is, that, who, is Bryce Drew yes. coaching them? Yes, yes, yes. Which, man Which uh, tells you how bad that Vanderbilt job is, I think, <laughs> because he took them to the tournament, got fired, which in yeah. hindsight I bet they regret that. Look what he's doing there. yeah uh, He'll get a better position now, too.
0: Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're 30th nationally in effective field goal percentage, too. They're efficient. Um, yeah, it I just shows how unappealing that Vanderbilt
3: job is. Be interesting, uh, I'd be interested <laughs> to see if they went out all the way to their conference title game. If they would get an at-large bid, because they'd probably be at like thirty and three, thirty-one and three, with a win over a team in the field. They almost beat South Carolina. I I would personally say beat they San deserve Francisco, a bid. San Francisco too. Yes. Yeah. It's so, a good team. I I think that we might see them regardless, as long as they don't slip up uh, in regular season play between now and then.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, Indiana State—they were one of those teams that very well could have gotten an at-large bid, regardless. They're probably. And now they lose to Illinois State, um, and you know that—that—that's something they can't afford. So, I mean, Grand Canyon—the conference they're playing in—is probably not as good as, in Indiana State's
3: conference. What are they even in? What is they're that? in Drake's conference, Drake's conference Missouri Valley. Yeah, Missouri Valley. They got a, Bradley's good, um, Drake's good. Um, yeah, that Indiana State Drake Conference title game will be like be a fun one. A, a first four game in March yeah, Madness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was that was
0: the case last year when it was Bradley versus Drake too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winner get in. Winner gets the tournament. Yeah. Um, now focusing to the SEC real quick. Uh, out of the, the teams, the SEC is going to put in the tournament most likely um, anywhere from seven to eight. Um, who has the best chance to make it the farthest?
3: Tennessee, I, I think. You know, you look at their offensive and defensive. Ratings um, in Ken Palm, and they are the most balanced team in the SEC. Auburn is liked a lot by the computers, but they don't have the resume to back it up like Tennessee does in terms mm-hmm. of high quality wins. Um, we've talked about Tennessee's warts, and and you know certainly there are some, but they're still looked at as sixth best in the country by the committee. Despite those things, every team really beyond it feels like UConn and Purdue and maybe Houston is going to have some deficiencies, and I think they're. Uh, Tennessee's are less than Alabama's or Kentucky's or Auburn's deficiencies. So I think Tennessee, you know, I think some of it will depend on draw, which you can't, you know, control how that's going to shake out. They also have the best player in the SEC, which, you know, we saw last night bailed us out. He can bail us out in a tournament game as well. So I think Tennessee is the most complete team, top to bottom, most balanced team, and has the best body of work as well.
2: Yeah, I I think it's Tennessee as well. If not, it's probably Auburn. Uh, Again, I don't think they have the resume, like like Max said. Uh, But they're similar. They're good offensively, good defensively, a team that's balanced, good at both. I mean, can shut down teams, um, but it's just not as effective as Tennessee. The outsider for me, I think, is still Florida. They're just playing their best basketball. They're one of those teams that you see them peak really late in the year, and then they're that unlikely team that goes really deep in the tournament. That VCU team in 2011 comes to mm-hmm. mind. That went all the way to the Final Four as a 10 seed. They got hot late, um, and maybe not have had the talent that some of these teams do, but willed themselves into a, into a deep run, so I think Florida is on that list as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think Tennessee all around has the best chance. Um, I do Look at Auburn um, now. Losing Jalen Williams uh, is going to hurt yeah, them. It does. Um, that, that's a big mess. Uh, I think Kentucky, come tournament time, will have the opportunity to make a lot of noise. Um, just I don't, it, it's Calipari and having all that talent, all those freshmen. They have. They're, they're the biggest boom bust potential in the SEC, in my opinion. They could very well lose game one. They could be. They out could
3: the, lose to McNeese or Grand yeah, Canyon.
0: exactly. Yeah. But they could very well make it all the way you know, the Final Four just based on the talent they have on that roster. If Rob Dillingham goes off for, you know, averages 27 points in the tournament, that's a team that can continue to win games um, and just based on how good that offense is. Their defense is a problem, and if they're not shooting well, that's a team that could very well lose to McNeese State, a Grand Canyon, anyone. Um, I think they're the biggest boom-bust. I think Tennessee overall – has the best defense and the best offense combined. I love Alabama's offense. Their defense is hard to watch at times. Uh, Florida has been really good as of late. Um, I don't know if they have a, a the star power that a couple of these other teams will have. Walker Clayton Jr. is great. Um, I don't know if he's great enough to match up against a, a Rob Dillingham or a, a Don Connect. Um, so, I say that Tennessee is probably the most well-rounded team. Um, And when we come back, we'll uh, talk about the number one seeds, who's on upset alert for them, and we'll also take a look at Tennessee's possible path right here on Overtime.
4: 865- at 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today.
5: Rev up your savings at Volunteer Auto Group, your one-stop destination for quality vehicles at unbeatable prices. Cruise through their vast selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. They've got the flexible financing options that make it easy for you to drive home today. Volunteer Auto Group, where every deal's a winner. 1501 Callahan Drive. Check them out online at volauto.com and tell them Fan Run sent you. Are you
6: ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com
1: we
0: Back here on overtime, back to the tournament talk. Great conversation. We'll continue it. Um, So, out of the number one seats that were given by the NCAA committee um, Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, which team is on upset alert the most? Um, To me, I'll begin with mine. I think it's got to be Houston. I I think Houston is the best defensively um, on the perimeter out of the three. But I don't think they have a – outside of Jamal Sheed, um, they don't have a interior presence offensively that can change a game like Purdue has, like UConn has, like Arizona has. Um, and I think that their lack of offense is a little concerning. I think you can get a lot of offense from UConn. You can get a lot of offense from Purdue, Arizona as well. And you also get good defense because of how big their interior presences are. Um, like Donovan and I think that one of the best things about UConn is Clinigan's ability in the pick and roll to be one of the best pick and roll defenders in college basketball, and the way he reads the defense along with UConn's guards. Um, and then we know what Zach Eady is as a defender. Um, you know, it's not hard to block a shot when you're seven four and have <laughs> you know eight foot arms. Right. Um, and then Ballo's big as well. Um, maybe out of the three and Clinigan, Purdue, and Ballo, he's the least talked about, but. Um, he's been really good as of late in protecting the rim against a couple of really good Pac-12 teams. I mean, Utah um, and Colorado uh, I mean Colorado got it got stuffed at home um, yeah. because Arizona was able to pack the paint and, and um, keep Colorado from driving in. Guys like Cody Williams, who's had a really good year, a projected lottery guy, um, taken out of the game. Um, Houston, I thought what they did against Iowa State was very, very impressive. I just don't think they have a, a post-defender that's good enough um, come tournament time, considering
3: the other three all have them. Houston would be mine. Yeah, you know, I think when I was going over this, Houston on paper would have been mine. Just Purdue for me, I, I got to see it before I believe it, I sure. guess. Yeah. I do think this year's version of them is the best version we've seen on, in the Zach uh, E D era. Not the team that lost to St. Peter's, not the team last year. This is the best team just because the resume. I mean, they have the most quad one wins in the country. Uh, I think their average win in terms of net ranking is like in the fifties, which means they're beating good teams every single night. Yeah. Um. So that is impressive. I just I got to see it from them. Um. I still think because of how dependent they are on Zach Eady, what happens if he gets in foul trouble? Yeah. I mean, you play an eight nine game against a Florida, and he picks up two or three fouls early. Well, you, you saw in the Ohio State game. Yeah. You know, he got in trouble. They had to take him out, and 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 they can't rep. There's nobody yeah. on that roster to replicate him, and no. so much of their offense runs through him that you don't have him on the court there's not they have to run a totally different scheme than what they usually do so that's my worry with them is all it takes is him getting in foul trouble against an eight or a nine seed in the second round and boom they could be home already yeah. and I think as much as you know last year shouldn't affect them two years ago there's got to be you know in their conscience at least I just worry that team if they're down 10 in the second half how do they bounce back we mm-hmm. saw Virginia after they lost the 16 seed win it all the next year and they had some moments like that and they they answered the bell, but they had three NBA players on that team. Yeah, this team does not have that. You know, they have Zach Eady, and that's kind of it. Um, Braden Smith's a nice piece, but he's not a difference maker in that regard. Not an All American caliber NBA player, um, so that worries me. And and I just think it's like I'm saying, they play Florida, TCU, one of these teams, second round. and Eady picks up a couple fouls early. Where do they go? Yeah, I mean, last year, FDU, we saw the recipe. Just they're the shortest team in college basketball, yeah. and they beat Zach Eady. Just double him and make someone else beat you. I don't see why someone else wouldn't do that on uh, come tournament time.
2: I'll go a different route. I'm going with Arizona, mm. and it's mostly because of several of these guys have been around and have had trouble winning postseason games, notably a loss to Princeton in the first round. That's brutal. They just have not shown me with this group. You know, They add Caleb Love. They add a couple other pieces, but they just have not shown me with the core group that they can win in, in March yet. Uh, I, I just, I, it's kind of like Purdue. I kind of have to see it to believe it. Now they're playing better now, but earlier in the season, ugh. Yikes! Uh, lost to Oregon, State. a beatable team Oregon basically State, no. every night. It felt like mm-hmm. pushed to the limit at home in several of these games as well by teams that just they had no business being in games mm-hmm. with. Um, and so until they make it consistent, I'm just I'm not completely sold on them. Now Caleb Love has been there; he could probably carry you through a few of those tournament games. Um, but other than that, I mean, you got guys that either haven't been there or guys that have lost to Princeton in the NCAA tournament. So for me, uh, I take the pedigree, and I think it's probably Arizona.
0: 95.5% of national champions since 2001 have led a top-21 kim offense pre-tournament. 90.9% of national champions since 2001 have had a top-31 kim defense pre-tournament. Uh, teams that currently fit this criteria are Creighton, Yukon, Tennessee, North Carolina, Duke, Purdue, Houston, and Arizona. In terms of Tennessee's possible path, uh, what teams do you feel comfortable about facing, and vice versa, the teams that you would not want to face? Um, Max will begin with you.
3: I'll give you two. I'm comfortable with two. I'm not. I am comfortable playing Duke. I yeah. think uh, they they're all their numbers a little inflated. They really don't have many signature wins. I think their best win in the non-conference was Baylor, and then outside of that, their best wins like Clemson. ACC is um, not that good. Yeah, and they couldn't beat UNC. Um, they couldn't. They haven't played Virginia yet, so I'm just. I got to see them uh, beat some legitimate competition. Before I buy into them, um, and we saw Tennessee give them fits last year, and Kyle Filipowski, and then I think Alabama or Marquette. I'll go Marquette for this exercise. Um, they're a team that has you know spreads you out. They have scores at, at every level. Great point guard play in Tyler Colic, um, and I just think that uh, you know despite all that, they play the style that Tennessee wants to play. They have guard play. They have you know they have these things that Alabama's had, that Florida has. Um, teams we've beaten, they don't have a post presence like. Uh, like the teams that we have lost to. They play at a really high pace as well, which also I think would benefit our favor. And Shaka Smart is really outside of that VCU run Mm -hmm. in March. He's kind of, his resume kind of looks like a Rick Barnes. So Mm -hmm. I'll say Marquette and Duke I'm comfortable with. I'm not Iowa State. They are similar, kind of a poor man's Houston, I would say, very good defensively. Um, Very, very slow tempo. Veteran guards as well. A lot of talent on that team. They're just a team that I think is similar to you know, like I said, Houston are a better version of a Mississippi State or A and M, where they're going to keep the game low scoring and mm-hmm. they're going to get us in a rock fight, which I think is not what Tennessee wants to play. And and UConn, uh, we've seen Kansas, Purdue, and UNC, so I kept them out for this exercise. But UConn, I just think they're way too versatile. You mentioned the bids they have, the guard play they have. Um, they can beat you in a slow in a slow tempo game, they can beat you up tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think that would be the last team I'd want Tennessee to play. I know that's an easy answer, but yeah. I just think that they would give a, a lot of trouble to Tennessee. Yeah, comfortable with is probably
2: Duke. I think I answered this wrong. So I'm going to go off the off the cuff real quick. Comfortable is Duke. Not comfortable for me is Creighton. I just do not want to see cuz again, they they play the style that we have problems stopping. They have great guard play up top and a dominant big down low. And that does not bode well for Tennessee yeah. at, on the on the, the slightest on the defensive end. Um, and then offensively, you know, can we beat them down low, with Jonas A do? Can we shoot threes as well as we have? If we get into a shooting drought, you know, where does that game go? So I don't like Creighton either. I thought you meant in terms of what the current path would be, which it has changed a little bit in the new bracketology. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently a Sweet 16 matchup for Tennessee would be with one of Baylor, Grand Canyon, or St. Mary's. None of those teams yeah. uh, uh, make me very I'd comfortable. I think St.
3: Mary's would give Tennessee – I don't – No, I'm I'm, saying, I'm
2: not comfortable playing any of those teams oh, in okay. my opinion. Oh, okay. Baylor's good offensively you get into a shootout I don't know if you win that game Saint. Mary's just because of the style they play really mm-hmm. slow make you play their tempo Tennessee's not good in those types of games as we've mm-hmm. seen throughout this year in the Grand Canyon just if they get there they become that FAU Loyola Chicago type team that we've <laughs> lost to before <laughs> yeah. Oregon uh, State Oregon yeah. State on multiple occasions um, you get past that you're probably seeing Purdue again I don't mind that uh, I don't don't like uh, I don't mind seeing Texas don't mind seeing Virginia if they get to the elite eight. Um, but that Sweet 16 game, man, that worries me a lot. Yeah.
0: I, I think I did a poor job uh, phrasing the question. I thought I, you meant on based on the current path. Yeah, I, well, which... I was, I was kind of meaning out of the the guy, the teams that um, kind of fit the criteria right now in the event that Tennessee has to play them. So out of your Creighton's, Tennessee, North Carolina, Purdue, uh, Duke, Purdue, Houston, Arizona. Um, but so for me, um, do not want to see UConn uh, for multiple reasons. Figure it was obvious. They're eight nine guys deep. They follow the same blueprint that they had last year. They retain a lot of key players like Trisha Noon and Donovan Klinvagan and Alex Caravan. They bring guys in through the portal and Cam Spencer, a guy averaging 15 a night I'm for sure
3: it's them. like 45% yeah. from three. Yeah, <laughs>
0: um, and then they hit in the recruiting cycle as well, bringing in um, Stefan Castle. They've done the exact same thing they did last year. Just once again with a different collection of guys, Um, so I think UConn's the best team in the country. I know they lost last night. Some people put Purdue back over them. I know Purdue's wins are a little bit better, um, but I I think UConn's the the best team in basketball. Um, Would not want to see Crane either. I think. Um, it'd be a very similar game in terms of the amount of depth and amount of guys you can go to. I think Tennessee's going to try and shrink up their their rotations a little bit come tournament time um, because I don't know if you're going to be seeing guys like Cameron Carr get minutes and Estrella get minutes come tournament. I, I want them to, but I don't I don't think you've seen enough track record from this year to be able to be comfortable in putting them out.
3: Someone's in foul trouble if they're
0: playing. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think it'd be a, a, a even matchup in that sense that – Crane only goes about seven guys deep. Tennessee would probably do the same. Um, Crane's got a lot of veterans, guys that have played for multiple seasons. Tennessee does as well, but their guard play. Um, and, and Schreierman and Ashford, those guys can shoot very well. Kalkbrenner is a X uh, X factor for any team in basketball. That's a tough team to beat. Um, uh, Arizona I'd throw in there as well. I think they have a unique blend of shooting experience and size. Um, but I think Crane and Yukon would be two teams that would just be a bad uh, bad rap for Tennessee. I would not play I would not mind playing North Carolina again. I think it's tough to beat the same team twice in any sport. Um, and also, um, I think North Carolina just really took advantage of early season play, especially playing at home. You play that game now and UNC doesn't shoot the way they did in that first matchup. It's a totally different game. Um, so I, I would be comfortable playing North Carolina, Be comfortable playing Duke. Um, I think Filipowski is a great player. I think Proctor is a great player, um, but I, I don't think their collection as a group is that threatening. Um, they don't do one thing really, really well. They don't do one thing really, really bad. Uh, and their conference, let's be frank, it sucks. Um, so it's not like they're, <laughs> it's not like they're playing you know big teams night in and night out. And they've had fire drills multiple times this season where they've gone down the wire with a Clemson team, Clemson um, yeah. that. You know, is is very limited in the perimeter. Um, offensively, um, they've had they've had a couple instances. I, I can't think of the other ones off the top they of my lost head. Lost to Georgia Tech. Lost to Georgia Tech. Yeah, um, Josh Pastors all stopping grounds beat <laughs> them. Um, so yeah, I, I, Duke and UNC. Um, I know the two blue bloods <laughs> having the two blue bloods as a team you wouldn't mind playing, but um, I, I just think when you look at the the rematch with North Carolina and what Duke's pumped out this season, I think out of the Group that fits the criteria. Those would be the, the right. two I would not be um, concerned about playing. All right, anything to add before we head to the break? No. Yeah. Good deal. All right, when we come back, to we'll talk about the Wild Western Conference in the NBA right here on Overtime.
5: White Claw delivers a wave of pure refreshment and a variety of flavors. From the originals, like black cherry and mango, to new flavors, like passion fruit and blackberry. Crafted using our unique brew beer process, White Claw delivers a crisp taste with only 100 calories, 5% alcohol, and only 2 grams of carbs. Check out your favorite retailer in store or online for White Claw variety packs, single flavor packs, and 16 ounce single serve cans. White Claw Hard Seltzer, please drink responsibly. Are you ready to play hard and work harder? Are you looking to take the next step in your career with a company who celebrates hard work and appreciates those who do it? then it's time to join the movement at Axel Logistics. Axel is looking to expand their award-winning sales team with logistics consultants who are outgoing, ambitious, and thrive in a fast-paced environment. If that sounds like you, visit axellogistics.com to learn more. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on Fan Run Radio. Axel Logistics, now is your time. I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe
6: it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch, called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O.tv and start your seven-day free trial now.
2: Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is worn down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family-owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913
5: Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272. Or visit them online at FabricSun.com. That's FabricSun.com.
2: And be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio.
0: Back here on Overtime. Some Smoky Mountain rain in the background. No one's raining our parade tonight. Wow. Is that a pretty good transition? It's a pretty good (laughs) one. All right, let's talk about the the Wild Western Conference in the NBA. The All-Star Weekend is over um, after a very interesting performance, as as we detailed on Monday, Dawson. Um, However, for years, the NBA's quiet plague was the product of Uh, An awful all-star break to the end of the season with teams at the bottom tanking, teams at the top load managing. too little consequences for those left in the middle to fight over during the final weeks. However, that has all changed within the last half decade. Uh, Lottery reforms, play-in game, uh, luxury tax scheme, all of this has been changed. And now we're looking at perhaps the most competitive sprint to the finish line in memory. Um, Starting at the top, as it currently stands, the West is led by the Timberwolves, Thunder, Clippers, and Nuggets. Historically, the fourth seed only makes it out of the first round half the time. Additionally, history tells us a top three seed is essential um, uh, an essential condition for realistic title contention. Um, out of these four teams, who is the biggest pretender out of the top four? I'll begin with mine. I think it's Oklahoma City. This is a team that Reminds me a lot of the Memphis Grizzlies, um, a young team that has had a great regular season. Young teams perform really well in the regular season. The veteran teams know that they can get up for some games, kind of take off other nights, but they turn it up and turn it on right at the end of the season and right into the playoffs. The Thunder have been go, 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 go all year long. I think come playoff time, if you face – if the, the Thunder are a two seed or a three seed and they're matched up against a team like the Lakers or like the Warriors or um you know a, a team with a lot of a lot of experienced veterans like the Suns possibly. Um I, I think this smells trouble for them. I think they've they're great. I think they're an up and coming team in the NBA. Um but historically young teams don't do well in the playoffs, just ask the Kings what they did last year. Right. Max.
3: Yeah, I mean I, I was gonna go Thunder as well. I'll go Timberwolves kind of they're not as young as Oklahoma City, but they still lack that playoff experience. They've yet to win, you know, advance out of the second round in the Western Conference with this group of uh, players. So kind of same basis. I just got to see it from them. You know, it feels like in the NBA too, especially, there's kind of a natural progression with franchises unless you add a ton in the in free agency where you're building your – I mean, the Bucks are a great example of that. The Celtics seem to be on the cusp of that as well. The Warriors were. Um, so it feels like a year where the Timberwolves very good, I expect them to win a, a series or two, but I just think, kind of like you were saying with uh, Oklahoma City, when they get stacked up against a team that's been there before, has the experience, knows what it takes, uh, hasn't been going all in for the regular season to get this one seed like Minnesota is, that they'll run into some trouble. Very good team, but just think they're a year or two away from, they got to get some more experience under their belt.
2: I guess we'll all three go different routes then. I would have gone with the Thunder, too, before the trade deadline. They get a couple veteran pieces at the trade deadline I think will help on that front. Um, So I'm going to go with the L.A. Clippers. Okay. uh, And it's for consistency's sake. Back-to-back losses to Minnesota over the past several weeks, not just been able to consistently beat playoff teams. Uh, Losses to several teams that are down towards the bottom of the Western Conference or in that play-in, Lakers. Uh, they've lost to the Cavs. Now the Cavs have been playing excellent basketball recently, mm-hmm. but still a loss to, to another playoff team. New Orleans, they've lost a couple times to the Pelicans in the last several weeks. So for me, uh, it's number one, consistency. And number two, again, a group that I just don't think has done very much in the postseason. Um, I can't remember. I get my years mixed up in the NBA because the playoffs all run together. But last year was the year they lost the Suns in the first round. Correct. Right? So in six games there with a roster that – no, I mean – For me, being a Suns guy, probably should not have won that series. Yeah. Um, A Clippers roster that they built to win playoff series, Mm -hmm. it doesn't even get out of the first round. Uh, And they've had problems ever since they made the Western Conference finals in in 2013. So uh, I just haven't seen it from them yet either. Uh, Again, they may turn it on at the end of the year. They
0: got veteran guys that have been there before. But for me right now, it's the Clippers. Yeah, there's a reason why they're building a camel clinic next to that new stadium. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the pileup now. Uh, How the race for the top four in the conference breaks down has the most big-picture impact on the season's title race. But uh, I'm not sure it's one of the uh, most immediate interests. For, for that, we have to look at the six-car pileup that we've got immediately behind the four powerhouses this regular season. Um, as long as LeBron and Steph are, are still the, the needle-moving names in basketball, the Lakers and Warriors will stay prominent. Uh, but then you're also intertwined with the Mavericks, Pelicans, Kings, and Suns. Um, and a fascinating medley of flawed teams headlined by elite <laughs> star talent. Um, uh, out of the remaining teams that I just mentioned there, uh, who can make the most noise? Um, and I'm going to go with the Lakers here. I think the Lakers have a roster that is built to win come playoff time. Plenty of veterans. The problem is they just haven't been healthy. If they're able to get healthy. It, it, and the funniest thing about this team, LeBron and AD have been healthy. It's <laughs> been the other guys the other that haven't guys, been healthy. Yeah. If they're able to get healthy, I think this is a team that could make as deep of a run as they did last year. They added to last year's unit and got better. Teron Prince, Gabe Vincent, those are guys that are, are difference makers come playoff time. You can uh, switch in and out of a of a rotation. I think it's the Lakers that could make the most noise out of this group,
3: Max. You know, I'm gonna go a different route. I'm not gonna go with the as much veteran, been there before. I'm gonna go with the Kings. It felt like last year they're kind of on the cusp of something. They pushed Golden State to seven games, I believe. Yeah. Um, in the was that the second or first round? First round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they feel like a team that's meant to take the next step. Like I was talking about, with we got to see from Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Right. I feel like Sacramento is in position to do that. They've been there before. Now the lights won't be too bright. Um, De'Aaron Fox is an electric point guard. Uh, another year of dominant play from DeMontis Sabonis. One of the biggest all-star snubs, in my opinion. Um, Terrific year. Uh, Harrison Barnes, a veteran guy. I think they have a nice blend of talent. They can beat you uh, down low with DeMontis Sabonis, and they they have the fastest point guard in the NBA in De'Aaron Fox. Davion Mitchell, we saw what he did in college, now doing at the NBA an elite defender. I just feel like this team is meant to take that next step, win a series, possibly two if they get the right matchup. All right. Is this biased?
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm going to take my hometown Phoenix Suns. Uh, and it's partly because of veterans, guys that have been there. Kevin Durant is an NBA champion. He's been there before. Devin Booker has been to the finals before as well. They've got a couple of players still lingering around the organization that have been there, done that, uh, and a couple that have played really well. They're figuring it out. Earlier in the year, I would not have said this because for a long time, They just did not mesh as mainly a big three. It felt like one guy was was always trying to force it, and all of them were trying to force it on every night. Now they've kind of gotten to a point where, okay, book's hot. Let's feed him you know, we'll fill in where we need to. Uh, but they're they're being able to find the hot hand and, and mesh this team really well. They're playing good basketball all of a sudden. Uh, and that helps. Their supporting cast has been good as well. Nurkic has had a good year. I did not expect much out of him. Did not like that trade personally yeah. in the offseason. Uh, Grayson Allen has been excellent uh, for them, kind of filling in a couple holes when they need to. He's a guy that's been there, done that before in Milwaukee. Uh, Josh Okogie's been a, a bench mainstay for them for three, four years yeah. now. Uh, but, again, putting up decent numbers. Uh, and they're playing their best basketball at the right time again and have plenty of veteran experience knowing what to do in the playoffs to win a couple series and get back. So is it biased? Am I on a soapbox? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns.
0: All right, that's, that's what fandom's about. You have to be confident in your teams. I, I wish I could be having a conversation about the Grizzlies' playoff chances right now. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have that opportunity. And we're out of time anyway, so I couldn't have done it. (laughs) Even if if we had the opportunity. That's going to wrap us up here on Overtime. William Patterson, Dawson Wise, Max Pennell. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow.